Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. My biggest goal was to create a lifestyle, not only an album. That was my main focus in Barrio Fino, to let the world know that this is a new culture. For critics and fans of reggaeton, there's before and after Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino. Released in 2004, it is arguably the most well-known and important album in the history of reggaeton, a genre crystallized in Puerto Rico's lower-class neighborhoods during the 90s. Reggaeton was the sound of a new generation inventing their own musical rebellion, drawing on influences like Jamaican dancehall, Panamanian reggae in Espanol, and hip-hop. Today, reggaeton is one of the biggest genres in the world, producing endless hit singles and fueling the careers of younger superstars like Bad Bunny, who played the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show. When Bad Bunny, whose real name is Benito Martinez, first heard Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino, he was a 10-year-old kid in Puerto Rico. Yo crecí con, con el álbum y, con, y viendo la gente eh, eh, dejarse llevar por, por lo que era Daddy Yankee, me acuerdo la... la, la Bad Bunny la says people were, quote, in awe of Daddy Yankee. Yankee was a huge inspiration to all his uncles and all the older guys. After Barrio Fino came out, it was like he was the only reggaeton artist who existed. Before reggaeton stars like Bad Bunny were streamed billions of times around the world, there is Barrio Fino. Here's Daddy Yankee. Reggaeton is right there, competing with any artists around the world. So let's go back to the Matrix. Barrio Fino was the Matrix. Daddy Yankee's collaborators are now icons in the genre as well. Here's producer and sound engineer Echo, who mixed the songs on Barrio Fino. It's a masterpiece because of the lyrics, the music, the production, and the commitment for quality. All the positive aspects and things conspired for Daddy Yankee to have this moment, which basically marked Latin music forever. One, two, three, four, five. Break down, baby. I'm Brittany Spanos, senior writer for Rolling Stone and your host for Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums the podcast where we dig into 10 albums off our brand new list. In this episode, Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino. In the early 2000s, reggaeton and pareo, or twerking, were all over the clubs, in the hoods, and the suburbs. It was youth culture, and it was everywhere in Puerto Rico. The man perhaps most responsible for taking reggaeton worldwide, that'd be Ramon Luis Ayala Rodriguez, better known as Daddy Yankee. To tell the story of Barrio Fino, here's Nuria Net, 
a journalist, podcaster, and co-founder of podcast studio La Coctelera Music. She grew up in San Juan and has interviewed Daddy Yankee several times over the years. Daddy Yankee grew up in the Villa Kennedy Public Housing Projects in the working-class neighborhood of Santurce in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Raymond, as he was known, dreamed of becoming a baseball player and loved salsa, dancehall, rap, and house music. But gun violence was a daily reality in the barrio. His Little League baseball coach was actually murdered in broad daylight, right on the ball field. And when Raymond was 16, he got caught up in a gang-related shooting. He was hit by a stray bullet in the leg and was confined to bed for six months. Raymond had already started rapping when he was 13, but the accident made him take music more seriously. We had um, a little studio right there in the hood. Nothing professional, surrounded by the real environment that I grew up in Puerto Rico. So He became a regular presence on the mixtapes his neighbor, the producer DJ Playero, would record in his home studio. These compilations became the foundation of this new urban movement. In fact, the Playero 34 mixtape from 1991 marks one of the first times the word reggaeton appears on record. It's uttered by a 14-year-old daddy Yankee, a moniker he gave himself in part, as an homage to boastfully named rappers like Big Daddy Kane. In the beginnings of the 90s, we were creating this movement and I was seeing the fruits of every little step that we were doing from the noise and playero. You know, we really prepared the scene to get to that point. By the time Barrio Fino came out in 2004, Daddy Yankee was a married father of three still living in the Villa Kennedy projects. He was 27, but already a veteran rapper, popular throughout the island, as well as part of the U.S., Central America, and the Caribbean. I've been listening to Yankee since the early 90s. Recording artist De La Ghetto started his career around the time Barrio Fino came out. He was born in New York and raised in Puerto Rico, and like a lot of 90s Latino kids, he grew up worshiping Daddy Yankee. You know, all my older cousins and, you know, and all the block parties and all the mixtapes and whatever. So Yankee was already a legend. Before it was known as reggaeton, it was called El Underground in Puerto Rico and elsewhere. And the music industry essentially turned its back on the scene. It was too ghetto, too raw. On an island already rife with class and racial prejudices, the government even tried to crack down on reggaeton records and concerts. Here's De La Ghetto again. The backlash of reggaeton was really bad. Like, nobody believed in reggaeton, like TV, radio, nobody wanted to fuck with reggaeton at all. It was like that hip-hop in the early 80s, the same thing with rock music, Elvis, the Beatles, even with the salsa, you know, salsa back in the 70s, everybody thought, ah, salsa, that's that's for gangsters and cokeheads, you know what I'm saying? Because it comes from the streets. So, like, you have to buy the cassettes and, like, in the streets on the projects. If the police would grab you with a reggaeton cassette on all volume in the car, they would stop you and they would give you a ticket and they would confiscate your cassette and break it right there. Like it was the worst thing ever. But Daddy Yankee, he saw that the music could become massive, not just in Puerto Rico. And the first step was to spread his vision across an entire album, not just loose singles and mixtapes, as had been the norm in reggaeton. I want to put the barrio in a glamorous status, you know, like everything that happened in the barrio from all the dangerous situations, all the hope that surrounds us, the lifestyle, the, the struggle, the love, la furia, the anger, everything, the poverty, the dreams that we have, everything in one album. I mean, just take the album title, Barrio Fino, which can be translated to classy hood or classy ghetto. Because obviously most of the time that you see in the barrio, 
you think something wrong. You think about drugs, you think about this and that, but you don't think about the struggle of a kid that want to become, you know, something in life. And I wanted the world to feel that we had the potential to conquer the world with our roots. To help him bring his vision to life, Daddy Yankee called on Puerto Rico's most talented young producers. In those days, reggaeton acts had to record themselves. Here's producer and sound engineer Echo. We called all the major studios years before because we wanted to record urban music and they wouldn't even rent it to us, not even pay it. Yankee was very aware that he was a great lyricist, great artist, great writer, but he needed that professional sound, that attentional detail. The lab studios, which is the studios that we built, we went the extra mile and, and we did everything possible. Daddy Yankee recorded much of Barrio Fino with a production team called Looney Tunes. Looney, Francisco Saldaña, and Tunes, Victor Cabrera, started out as a reggaeton duo before turning to production. In the early 2000s, they were working as line cooks at a Harvard University dining hall in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's when DJ Nelson, another pioneer and reggaeton producer, gave them their big break, inviting them to work as producers in his Puerto Rico studio. In 2003, the duo was hot off their mass flow compilation, which featured reggaeton's top acts, including Daddy Yankee with the song Cogela que va sin jockey. In the outro, you can actually hear Daddy Yankee saying Barrio Fino coming soon. Looney Tunes used the beat of Cogela que va sin jockey to create a new anthem that would turn into the biggest hit from the album, a song called Gasolina. Since Looney and Tunes were performers themselves, they helped rappers like Daddy Yankee incorporate more singing and melodies into their tracks. Here's Looney. We had a hook, and then I told him, listen, I want to stop the song in one part, and let's do some singing so we can rest the song because it's too fast all the time, singing, singing. I think we should add a little melody. So that's where he did the part. Tenemos tu y yo algo pendiente. Tú me debes algo y lo sabes. So he did that part, and then I was like, now the song is perfect, man. Now I love it. In the song, the playful call-and-response chorus between Yankee, A ella le gusta la gasolina, or she likes gasoline, and female vocalist Glory, dame más gasolina, or give me more gasoline, lent itself to sexual double entendres and interpretations. But Daddy Yankee says his original intention was more straightforward. Dale más gasolina is a popular phrase in Puerto Rico that you tell a girl when she loves to go party. It's like, mami, te gusta la gasolina. It's like you love to hang out a lot. It's that kind of energy of this girl that just loves to have fun. When gasolina came out, it was everywhere. And not just in Puerto Rico. It even made it to the top 40 on the American pop charts. And what's funny about this is this iconic song was created in a home studio that Looney Tunes built inside Looney's mom's house. She would cook Dominican food for the artists. Yankee, when he used to go to my house, he's like, Quiero locrio, quiero locrio. <laughs> locrio is like a Dominican rice with chicken on it. It's really good. My mother used to make it all the time. After working all night in the studio, sitting there in the kitchen, they could have never imagined how huge and meaningful this song would become. Reggaeton star Bad Bunny, who was just a kid at the time Barrio Fino came out, 
remembers the first time he heard gasolina. La primera vez que escuché la gasolina en la emisora de radio, me acuerdo, iba con mi papá y recuerdo que mi papá empezó a cantarla, no, no. He remembers being in the car with his dad, who was singing along to every word. And after that, he heard gasolina everywhere. He even describes it as a pandemic. Very 2020. Everyone remembers when gasolina came out. It was such a watershed moment. And honestly, it was surreal for me to discuss this with Daddy Yankee himself for this podcast. I remember being in New York during that time and hearing gasolina blasting from cars. And I would be like looking around me like, wow, is this really happening? You know, because I grew up listening to you and to all the underground artists. So being in Manhattan and taking over the city, I felt a lot of pride, you know? It was like, wow, we're here, you know? Of course, I mean, Barrio came to really change things up. It's like, we're not asking to come into your house. We're bringing the house down. We're here and we're here to stay. That was Barrio Fino, you know what I'm saying? We were just like tired of knocking at the door. The recording sessions brought a new level of ambition to the music. Producer Echo says he mixed some of the songs 20, 25 times to get them right because he and Daddy Yankee were so ambitious. Yankee will arrive to the studio. I will tell him, get here at 1 tomorrow. And he will be there at 10 a.m. and park his car in the studio, stay in the car riding, and then knock on my door at 1 sharp. And that's something you barely see happening nowadays. But he was open for our feedback all the time. Jackie's always a good listener, and I think that's why so many millions of millions of people right now have, have listened to him. Not only was the production top level, it was also adventurous. Songs like Lo que pasó pasó incorporated rhythms like Dominican bachata and merengue and gave Barrio Fino broader appeal. When I work with Ludin too, it's so cool. He's been Dominican, he told yo what I got this crazy idea. You know, he started to play that merengue vibe. And we came out with Lo que pasó pasó. And it's a catchy hook. I mean, one of my favorite songs of all time. That was our goal, man, to put different genres into reggaeton. We really changed a lot of things in the history. When I sing Lo Que Paso Paso, it's like the whole stadium go crazy. I don't even sing the record on stage. It's like people all singing that song. It's like, it's incredible. The vibe of it and the party and the energy is very unique. For Bad Bunny, many songs in Barrio Fino made an impact on him, even as a kid. Muchas canciones ahí que marcaron ya la, la, esa, esa edad de los de, de chamaquitos y los himnos que, que hay ahí, lo, lo que pasó, pasó. Me he calls them anthems. And he remembers watching the video for Lo que pasó, pasó, which was always on TV. Y al final era otra, la de, la que dice, no sé cómo se llama, que dice salud y vida, yo creo, no. Un santo era San Pedro. That song Bad Bunny just mentioned, Salud y Vida, is a hard hip-hop with horn samples geared towards a West Coast Mexican-American audience. That's the thing, Barrio Fino didn't just stick to the reggaeton playbook. Daddy Yankee even invited one of his idols, salsa singer Andy Montañez, for the track Sabor a Melao. For me, he's, he's one of those greatest artists that we have in Puerto Rico. 
and having him next to me in the studio, he opening it, the whiskey bottle, you know, recording next to me, that was a such experience that until today, I, I just love it. We grew up in the same area, so he was right there, real hood. And the inspiration came from a record that he did with a Cuban orchestra. I remember that I told Andy, Andy, I like this record from you. And he's explaining me the whole story about that song and that particular hook. Salsa is, wow. It is my favorite genre. Just, I love salsa such as I love reggaeton. There are parallels between salsa and reggaeton movements, of course, but this generation of reggaeton artists, with Ari Yankee at the helm, has surpassed the salsa greats in ways they could have never imagined. When it came out in July 2004, Barrio Fino went platinum in the United States and became the biggest album of the decade on Billboard's Latin charts. It swung open the door for reggaeton to become not only commercial, but a staple of Latin music, and in today's pop music worldwide, period. Latin Rhythm even got its own Billboard chart in August 2005. Since then, it's been topped by artists like J Balvin and Don Omar, although Daddy Yankee has the most number one songs on the chart. Daddy Yankee says that when he presented Barrio Fino to record labels, no one believed in it. He ended up self-releasing it under his own label, El Cartel Records. So I was forced to do everything by myself you know, from producing to distribution, everything. So I just closed a distribution deal and that's it. Till today, I'm an independent artist. Everybody declined the project, so I did everything by myself, but I'm not a slave in the industry. I've never been and I'm not. I'm the totally opposite. I'm a free man doing whatever I want to do. And that's the legacy, that's Daddy Yankee legacy. And a lot of kids follow that path. But the one thing that Yankee told me he's most proud of this is the first time in Latin music that the whole Latin music, you know, the whole Latin countries from Mexico, Central America, Caribbean, and South America, we're sharing one culture. This is what he set out to do. This is Barrio Fino's greatest accomplishment. Despite the prejudice, despite the obstacles, the haters, the Barrio Kid had taken his culture global. And we are connected for the first time in music history. You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's incredible. I haven't seen this in the past, like, like with no other genre. Which brings us back to the fact that Barrio Fino is part of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time list. It's groundbreaking. Its impact is undeniable. But Daddy Yankee wonders about the ranking. Is it high enough? He still feels he needs to prove himself in the industry, like he did when he was just starting out 30 years ago. And maybe he's right? Where does he fit in the Pantheon? So, like Michael Jackson, he changes things forever. Bob Marley, he changes reggae music forever. Like Ram DMC, you know what I'm saying? They shape the culture forever. And to this day, you've seen Daddy Yankee keep putting hits. So, should that be a fair category for me? You're not happy that Barrio Fino is number 473 on the list? For sure, because Barrio Fino changed music forever. And right now you're seeing the fruits of the new artists making music in the global charts number one. And what's thanks to Barrio Fino? Barrio Fino is the matrix. This is not success. It's culture. It's different. Come on. 
we'll get into Daddy Yankee's impact and the revolution of reggaeton after this short break. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, I'm Susie Exposito and I'm a music reporter at the Los Angeles Times. Hi, I'm Nuria Net. I'm a journalist. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Rafael Castillo, alias De La Ghetto. I'm a reggaeton artist from Puerto Rico. Do you all remember the first time that you heard Barrio Fino? I do. First time I heard it, I remember 2004. It was an era in my life that I wasn't really hip to reggaeton no more. I just got a little tired of it. I was hip to other stuff. I remember that Yankee did a show a TV show, and he was crying because they his his album got leaked and whatever, and he was going to retire, that, you know, I couldn't take it no more, blah, 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 blah. He spent all this money, all this time. So me being a fan of Yankee since I was a kid, since elementary, so I said, you know what? I'm going to cop this album. And I copped it, and it just changed my perspective for reggaeton forever because, like, even corporate white America just fell in love with all reggaeton because they go blew up reggaeton in New York. But Yankee blew up reggaeton in the world because he even had all the Mexicans bumping to reggaeton, Central South Americans, white people, African-Americans. It was just craziness from left and right. And uh, it, it was a good year for reggaeton also and a good year for our culture. And now it seems like so normal to hear reggaeton everywhere. But around that time, 2004, I was living in New York. And I remember specifically hearing Gasolina blasting from cars in Manhattan. Because one thing would be to hear reggaeton in Brooklyn. But I was in Manhattan and I was like looking around me like, holy shit, like we've arrived. And it was like this pride that I that overcame me. And when I interviewed Yankee for this episode, I, I got kind of emotional because I remember just that feeling back then, which was like, wow, we're here. Yeah, I first heard Daddy Yankee in the 10th grade. I was living in Jacksonville, Florida, where there just weren't very many Latinos. And my best friend was, was Venezuelan. He and I used to sit in the back of the school bus and listen to emo on our headphones. But one day he came in and was like, have you heard that song, Gasolina? It's nuts. And I, I was like, no, I, like, I had no idea what he was talking about. And so we used to share our earbuds and listen to Barrio Fino. And this was the same year of my quinceanera, which I had at school. And I played it in the courtyard at lunch. And even the white kids were like really, really into it. And that was maybe the first time that I 
had seen kids who weren't Latino interested in a Latin song. Because before that, you know, at parties, at least my family, the Cuban side of my family, they would play merengue, maybe a little bachata, but like reggaeton was hip hop and hip hop wasn't respectable. We're still having conversations about hip hop, but reggaeton just had something so special and so uniquely like Caribbean that it was really accessible to people from all over the world, just because the the rhythm is just so incredibly contagious. It's addictive. It's addictive. Yeah. It's the new salsa. It's the new rock and roll. Dela, can you get in a little bit more to what was making reggaeton so controversial? Well, reggaeton was like a taboo. They only sold it in certain projects in the hoods or certain mixtape stores. The lyrics weren't that clean, <laughs> you know? They were a little dirty, a little rough. The dancing was just grinding each other. You know, uh, grandmas and, and parents, they didn't want to see your kids grinding and twerking to reggaeton. They was like, what is this? We don't want this in our schools. We don't want this in our community. We don't want this at all. Well, I used to go to all girls non-school in San Juan, and we would play that in the school dances, and the nuns would go running to, to tell the DJ to turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and meanwhile, we were like perreando all the way. I used to listen to the first playeros in a CD Walkman. I used to hide in my bathroom or in the backyard and listen to it, you know, because I, I grew up with my grandmother, strictly Catholic. Like to her, like that was bad music. I was also into heavy metal, like all metal music was devil music and everything. So I was like a little bit of rock and reggaeton and hip hop. I was like, listen to everything. You feel me? So before reggaeton blew up, I was more like into English music, into hip hop and rock. But when reggaeton came around, it just switched my mind completely. Like, oh, what is this? I was growing up, boy, I was going to the block parties, to the school parties. I was dancing. I was going out. So it just made you feel like, like free. Barrio Fino landed at number 473 on the new list. And Daddy Yankee is not happy about this placement. Is he right to be mad in your opinions? Yeah, very, very, very. I think that if we took into account seniority when ranking the list, it, it would make more sense for Barrio Fino to rank higher than Bad Bunny or Rosalia. Unfortunately, it didn't. <laughs> so sorry, Daddy Yankee. Without disrespecting, you know, Bad Bunny and Rosalia, you know, I know Bad Bunny since the beginning. He's a very talented, humble kid, Rosalia. She's one of my favorite female artists bringing that flamenco with urban music. She's incredible. But, you know, if it wasn't for Yankee, Bad Bunny, Rosalia, and De La Guetta, nobody would have been here. And that was the album that really opened doors for all of us. So I think, yeah, I should have been way more up, at least in the middle. You feel me? I agree. The impact Barrio Fino has had, that Yankee's career has had, goes beyond Barrofino. He opened formats, you know, radio stations flipped formats to, to Urbano to play Gasolina. Even though when he shopped around Barrofino, the labels turned him away. After Barrofino's success, labels started signing raperos, reggaetoneros, media started paying attention because Darillanque was a household name. Growing up in San Juan, like I knew who he was, but I couldn't see him on TV. I didn't hear him on the radio. It was all through mixtapes, like Dela said. It's amazing because it was pre-internet, but things would still be shared. And he was super popular amongst the youth. But post-Barrio Fino, that's when it became a media phenomenon, business phenomenon. And he did it all as an independent artist. And to this day, he's still an independent artist. The mix and the master is amazing. I was listening last night in my car. And like you listen to Yankee's album and the beats and the mix. 
nothing has changed. Like even Bad Bunny's album with the reggaetoners, not from this album, the one before, the reggaetoners is like, it's the same beats, the same melodies, like nothing has changed. Yankee brought that magic. Susie, as someone who's the most familiar with the list on the panel, can you maybe give a, a number where you would have liked to see Barrio Fino land on the new list? I ranked Barrio Fino really high in my list. My number one was Selena, and then number two was Daddy Yankee. I picked records that represented watershed moments in Latin music, like moments where the tables had turned, not just in the U.S., but like in the world. And the thing about the list is that it depends on how many people included Barrio Fino in their list, too. And the reason why I ranked Barrio Fino so high in mine, because I, I wanted him on the list. Like the point was to get him and Selena on the list for the first time and represent a new kind of canon. I'm curious about how else Daddy Yankee and not just this album, but as an artist has shaped your career and how you have approached the music industry since you entered soon after Barrio Fino had broken. He always taught me that this is like a job, like working at McDonald's, working at anywhere. You got to discipline yourself. You got to practice. You got to take this seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like read your contracts, get your lawyers ready, get your team ready. This can't just be a hobby. And I just wanted to do this just for fun. You have to have fun, but he really taught me like the other dark side of this music business. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's really your friend. Everybody's going to stab you in the back. So you got to just focus 100% on you and your team. And he's been in the game like almost 30 years. So when I see Yankee, that I really look up to that. I take that example 100%. Let's talk about Gasolina, which is a song that was so big that even my mostly white Indiana Catholic school kids like <laughs> knew that song when I was in middle school. Like that song was everywhere. What is it about that song in particular that made it so big and what makes a great reggaeton song? It's just the energy. You listen to the beat and then the the wordplay is real easy. Gasolina. Gasolina is a word that people from Mexico know what it is, from Costa Rica, Colombia, Santo Domingo, Cubans, white people, African-Americans, people from Russia, China, Gasolina. That's a worldwide name. Us Puerto Ricans and Cubans and Mexicans, we got different dialects. We got different codes that we use, you know, in our wordplay. But that specific word, Gasolina, everybody knows what Gasolina is. It could also open up different interpretations because I think it's very playful. So people were wondering, what is gasolina? You know, is it a voluntandra? Is it like, what does he mean, gasolina? Even though Daddy Yankee says it's very straightforward, you know, it's a girl who likes to party, who likes to hop on fast cars. But I think that aspect of the song contributed to its success. And yeah, like the energy, it's the cars, the fast cars, the fast beats, danceable, super catchy. Makes you want to party. It seems like we were all partying in our Catholic schools, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I remember when this came on at like my school's Halloween dance and everybody just like lost it, not even knowing what was happening. It's just like the way that it opens is just crazy. It's like <laughs> it's it's like this burst of cathartic energy. I'm a kid from the MTV days from TRL, Carson Daly, like all that. Like I come from that era. And then just seeing Yankee all of a sudden perform the MTV Awards, it was just like, what the fuck is this? We taking over and just like Susie said, it just made you feel proud to be a Latino. Just, you know, like it's our time. When Ricky Martin came out with Mark Anthony, even when Shakira started doing English 
and perform. And it was like, whoa, what is this? She just made you feel proud. Like One even when <laughs> Chavez won the fights, Tito Trinidad won the fights. It was just amazing. He was like our Michael Jordan, you know? But gasolina is raunchy enough, but decent enough at the same time that you can dance it with your grandma at the family party. You know, like exactly. that's that's why I was able to go on radio. You know, it even got on the Hot 100. You know, I think that's what broke through commercially. You know, it wasn't like I'm gonna smash you here, that boo boo. No, no, no. <laughs> he was really slick with the wordplay, really slick, and he just made us do the same thing. Because we want that radio play. We want to be on TV. We want to go to the award shows. We want all that. And so he made that happen for all of us. How crazy was it that Justin Bieber was playing it on tour, you know, like a couple of years ago? Like he brought it back and EDM DJs were also like going nuts for Gasolina. I didn't see that coming, but that was cool. <laughs> like it keeps having more lives. I also want to say like at the time when Gasolina came out, It was amazing to hear a woman on that track, to hear Glory sing the hook, because Glory was like, she almost upstaged Yankee, in my opinion, <laughs> which is very controversial. She wasn't credited on the track officially, but like you heard it and you knew it was Glory. And you also heard her on uh, No Me Deje Solo when she's like, Papi, no me deje sola. Mm -hmm. yeah, glory, 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 yeah. <laughs> But it's yeah. just her voice was so like, it just stuck to you like bubblegum. Just being a, a teenage girl and not really hearing very many women in like Spanish hip hop, it was like very important to hear her voice and like Evie Queen when such a popular song. I'm curious if you can build the intro to reggaeton. Who are the pivotal artists that you would count along with Daddy Yankee? that make the genre what it is. Well, right now, right now, you got Bad Bunny. He's number one worldwide, beating everybody. You got Osuna, you got Anuel, you got Fomuisi Andel, you got Alcángel y de la Ghetto. Everybody right now is doing their thing because I tell all these artists, it's not about being hot now. The idea is to be in this game to get longevity. Because there's a lot of artists that blow up. They're the hottest artists in two or three years and five years pass, they're nobody. So mm -hmm. bad, I can see bad for the next 10 years, you know what I'm saying? Even Osuna, you got Mike Towers, me and Arcanga have been in the game for 15 years already and we're still relevant, Zion and Lennox. They've been in the game for 20 years. We see Andel, they're like other reggaeton gods. They've been in the game for 20-something years. Tego Calderon, like people don't talk about Tego, but Tego made reggaeton pop in New York like in the streets with the Dominicans, with the Mexicans, with everybody, even with the African-American community, because he sounded like Biggie, but in Spanish. People were missing that Biggie voice. I, I used to see, I used to go to New York, the Brooklyn Bronx, and you used to see black people with the Tego Calderon shirts on, and they know no Spanish. But Yankee, Yankee gave it that stamp worldwide because he was more focused. He was more disciplined. He was more of a hustler. The idea of crossover success is something that gets attached to this album a lot and especially since there were so many records that need to be broken and barriers that need to be broken down prior to Barrio Fino and prior to artists like Shakira and Mark Anthony. Maybe explain for us what defines a, a crossover album or crossover music and how the rules have changed since Barrio Fino. It is kind of tough because the rules do keep changing. I mean when Ricky Martin crossed over in the 90s he had already been making music in Spanish for like over a decade. He was really popular in Latin America. He was really popular in Europe, just making music in Spanish. But for the United States, it was just, you had to sing in English. 
look at Shakira. I actually put her record, uh, Donde Están Los Ladrones. That record was in Spanish. And then she crossed over two years later with Laundry Service, or in 2001 with Laundry Service, and she sang entirely in English. And that was how people in the United States learned who Shakira was, at least those who like weren't Latino, because I knew who Shakira was. <laughs> she was like the rocker girl, the like rocker Latina that I had been waiting for, because I was also, you know, a rocker. She was our Janis Joplin. Yeah, yeah. She was like our Janis Joplin, our Alanis Morissette. It was just like the standards were so high for someone from Latin America to become popular in the United States, especially in Anglophone radio. I think eventually Shakira did Hips Don't Lie with Wyclef Jean. That was like her most popular song in English Crazy. after a while. And then she went back to singing in Spanish. She did that song with, I think she did two songs with Maluma. And then she got into reggaeton, like- Nicky Jam too. She did a reggaeton with Nicky Jam also. Oh my God, I love that song. <laughs> Nobody thought that those pop artists were gonna do reggaeton. Right. Like in a million years. Even um, Mana, they did a reggaeton with Nicky Jam. Like yep. not everybody wants a part of reggaeton. So nowadays, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You have to sing in, in, in Spanish or English. Look at Bad Bunny. All Spanish. Yeah. These days, you can cross over in Spanish. You don't have to do what, what Ricky did or what Shakira did or what Mark Anthony did and, and suddenly just do an entire no. separate catalog in English. That's no longer yeah. required. To that effect, reggaeton is one of the biggest genres of the 21st century, and Daddy Yankee is a huge part of that. But what we're seeing is that so many institutions are not respecting reggaeton the way that consumers are globally. And even Daddy Yankee boycotted the Latin Grammys last year. There's not a lot of respect in the more old school kind of industry ideas of what an achievement is, are not looking at reggaeton as a respected genre. Uh, why is this respect eluding artists in the genre? And what do we think it will take to get that respect across these old school ways? Time, time, time. Just like hip hop at the beginning. Yeah. There's no explanation for mm -hmm. that. It's just time. You got to remember, like, there's a whole bunch of guys that went to Berkeley, went to school. They played 45 instruments. And all of a sudden, you got this kid from the hood, a fucking laptop, booty <laughs> loops. Boom, number one. Went to no school, no education. Didn't finish high school. So people get mad. They get mad. And I understand that. I understand that. I do think that there is a case for a changing of the guard. After Daddy Yankee and J Balvin boycotted the Latin Grammys last year, like this year's Latin Grammys were pretty different. I mean, there were more reggaeton songs up for record of the year, reggaeton albums up for album of the year, and they didn't win. <laughs> they didn't win the general categories, which, you know, is like a bummer, but whatever. We're there. That's what counts. Like what I tell everybody, like I didn't want to boycott it because I had two nominations. So oh, yeah, you were there. But I understand Yankees, you know, where he's coming from. And I respect that. He put in so many years, you know? Yeah, yeah, you got to understand that. It was rough for him. It was really rough, really rough. That's what it takes. The veterans, you know, put in their, their foot down and saying, you know, it's not right, unfortunately, that a Yankee had to come out, say that, Balvin, others. And finally, this year, the Latin Grammys changed their rules and their categories, which was way past due. But like Delan Susi are saying, it first takes within the Latin community, within the Latin industry, that respect to then go to the mainstream Anglo world. The Grammys, we saw the nominations, but Bunny is not nominated. 
in the general categories, which he should, based on numbers, popularity, yeah. quality, everything is there. I think it speaks for itself, but you know, I mean, especially in the Anglo Grammys, the <laughs> Los Grammys gringos, I do think that more reggaeton artists do deserve their dues. And I think that a lot of it has to do with who is a member of the the Recording Academy, of the Latin Recording Academy. When was the last time they did a recruitment drive trying to get younger, fresher talent? And it doesn't mean that all the veterans need to go. It doesn't mean that we need to eradicate the veterans, but it does make me wonder, you know, how much of these lingering politics, this fear of hip hop, this fear of reggaeton, how much of it informs the current membership when they go to vote? They're like, oh, I hate that. I hate that kid music, <laughs> you know, that dastardly reggaeton. And so I, I do think that if there was more of a push for younger membership, we might see different winners in these categories. Daddy Yankee is such a unique artist in so many ways because not only is he a, a pioneer and a veteran in reggaeton, but he's also still breaking his own records. I mean, even just a few years ago at Despacito, he still has giant hits that are completely changing what the curve is of what a hit can mean and what a hit can do. Nuria, why is Daddy Yankee both so enduring and respected simultaneously, which is something that very few artists in any genre have been able to do? Daddy Yankee has been in the game since he was a teenager, always been determined, disciplined. He's still relevant, collaborating with a young talent. He's actually putting out an album this month that's a live album. He sells out eight consecutive stadiums in his hometown in San Juan. He's a Latin icon up there with, with the Ricky Martins, with the Hector Lagos, with the Selinas. I wonder, you know, what would have happened if he had stopped at Barrio Fino? Would he be like a cult legend right now? You know, when I interviewed him, we talked a lot about his legacy and he's, you know, wondering out loud what his legacy is going to be. How can he be categorized in the pantheon of music? And I think it's healthy that he's still young and already wants to establish what his legacy is going to look like and not leaving that to others to figure out because that has been his career. He's been a pioneer. He's been... When doors have closed, he's had to do it himself. So now he's establishing his legacy on his own, too. He's a leader. He's a leader. Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino ranks 473rd on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time which can be found on our website, rollingstone.com, and in the magazine's October issue. I'm Brittany Spanos. This is Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums. Executive producers are Christian Horde, Nathan Brackett, and Gus Winner. It's produced by Emerse Eller and me, mixed by Michelle Lands. Our senior producer is Jasmine Morris. Megan McBride is our production manager. Bridget Shelsey is our production assistant. Fact-checking by Jonathan Bernstein. Supervising executives for Amazon Music are Raymond Roker and Morgan Jones. And for Rolling Stone, Jason Fine. You can find this podcast exclusively on Amazon Music, on the web, the mobile app, or on any Echo device.
In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.